We're going to go old school today. When I first started the ministry, there's no such thing as PowerPoint or, or Proclaim or video projectors. How many of y'all remember overhead projectors? Remember those? Yeah, those were classy, right? Yeah. And so we had overhead projectors, and uh, actually my, our, our executive pastor, campus pastor, Pastor Trinity, uh, was five, and she was elected by the church leadership, which was me, to do the, the overhead projectors for all of worship. So she would stand, there's a five-year-old flipping those things, and it got a little stressful because, you know, if you turn them upside down, the words were upside down or whatever, but you have to keep up with the people that were singing, and she did a great job, so she has incredible empathy for the people that are working in the media booth. I know she does. Anyway, overhead projectors. And we never used to have the scriptures, the Bible verses on the screen. We never used to have Bible verses on your phone. We used to have to like work, like you had to look it up and, and you had to, had to read it in, in a book, right? And I'm not, I'm not in any way anti but I'm, I'm so in a fan of technology. Uh, truly, I am. I'm grateful for the tools we have. But, but I got to tell you, sometimes I, I do think, and I'm not trying to be that old fuddy-duddy, but sometimes I do think that our technology has made us a little bit lazy in our Christian walk. I think sometimes we depend upon Siri more than we depend upon our knowledge of the Word of God. Hey, Siri, where does it... I just set off some of your phones, right? Hey, Siri, where does it say in the Bible that God loves those... Da, 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 Instead of studying to show ourselves approved is what scripture says. Now, my job as an under shepherd on behalf of the, the, the good shepherd, Jesus, is to stretch the church. It's not to coddle the church or just encourage the church, but to stretch the church. Stretching is really good for your body physically because the more you stretch, the, more, the less susceptible you are to injuries in your body. The more you stretch yourself spiritually, the less susceptible you are to injuries spiritually. That when those attacks come, in this world you will have all kinds of trouble, Jesus said, right? But take heart, he has overcome. When those troubles come, you'll be prepared for such things. Let's, let's talk about the Bible for just a second as we kind of go old school today. Um, why don't we, in fact, it doesn't even matter if I cover up the screen because we're not using it at all today. We're going to use our Bibles and we're going to use this whiteboard. And so I would like you to help me with this message. If you're online watching us, help me with it as well if you'd like to. But I'd like you to just share with me a Bible character that has meant something to you in your life. Perhaps a Bible character that their story has inspired you or in encouraged you or challenged you or it's, you know, it's, it, it kind of left its mark in your mind before. Now, I know that everybody's going to be like, Jesus, well, we're not going to leave Jesus out for just a second because he's like over it all, right? So I don't want you to just say Jesus, but another biblical character that has, and I'm, here's the other thing. So some of y'all are going, there's a trap here. I, sent, I smell a trap. What, you, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to ask me to tell, hey, tell me about that. Why is it? I don't want to have to tell anything. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Just say a name if that name is important to you. This is not like Bible trivia. Try to come up with some obscure name that nobody's ever heard of before because you're trying to look really intelligent. Just a name from the Bible that has meant something to you. Shout it out. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's all kinds of, in the church, it has to be in just, it has to be peace and in unity. So I heard somebody say Jethro. I don't know if there's a Jethro in the Bible. That's what I heard. What did you say? Say it again. David. What? David. David. Yeah, David. Yeah, yeah, David. All right. Somebody else I know, somebody else said Paul. I heard somebody say it. Somebody else? Daniel. 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 Okay. And somebody else, what? Joseph. Okay, are we talking Joseph O.T., Joseph N.T.? Which one are we talking about? Joseph Old Testament, Joseph New Testament. It doesn't matter, really. We'll just put Joseph. 
because the Old Testament, you know, is like a coat of many colors kind of thing, and the New Testament is like, you know, foster dad to Jesus, right? So Joseph, okay. Who else? Samson. Uh, Samson. I knew you were going to say that, Brian. Samson. <laughs> Samson, right. Good. Somebody else? Solomon. What? Solomon. Solomon. What else? Somebody else over here? Hosea. 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 Solomon. Hosea. Anybody else? David. D- David? Enoch. Wow, there you go. Good, right on, good. Enoch, good. That's wonderful, good. Praise the Lord. Somebody else? Abraham, Abraham, there you go. Esther. Yeah, good. There you go. Noah. Ruth. Ruth. Uh, Who shot who? What? Hosea. There you go, Moses. Noah. Noah. We got we got Noah, but that's good. What? Job. Somebody said Job. Priscilla and Aquila. Pierre Pris. Anybody else? Jehovah. Who said? Who just said that? Jehovah. Jehovah. Right. Well, that's a, that's a good one. So, you know, you're kind of challenging me on the whole Jesus thing because now you're just like going God, right? Jehovah. Uh, well, so I appreciate that, uh, Anthony. I, I knew that had to come from uh, you. Uh, right? <laughs> so what we've got, and we, there's a lot more, I know. There's a, there's a lot more. But what we've got is we've got a lot of, lot of characters from the scriptures that, that, that we've come up with, and they mean something to us. And I, I, think about, I think about some of these, all of these characters, and I think, did their mamas know? Davy, 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 little David boy. His mama's rocking him back and forth. Hey, well, could you, could you, Davy, Davy? I see greatness in you. God's going to use you in a mighty way. And that's what we say to our children, and that's what we say to our grandchildren. That's what we say to our nieces and our nephews as we rock them back and forth and believing and trusting that God has got a big plan. It's going to be amazing. He's got big plans for you. You're going to fool around with another woman. It's going to happen. And you're going to, you're going to, you're going to kill her husband? I, I, I wonder, I wonder, you know, um, I, mosey, 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 mosey. As mama is rocking him back and forth in the king's palace, in Pharaoh's palace, because you know the story how God orchestrated such a thing, but she gets to rock her baby boy when she shouldn't have been able to do that because her baby boy should have been dead, but nevertheless, she's rocking little Mosey back and forth, and she's just declaring blessing over him, and she said, Moses, I see greatness in you. God is going to use you in a mighty way. It's going to be big things in your life, and she's prophetically speaking into the child's life, which we should be doing with our kids. But mama has no idea, no idea the heartache and the turmoil and the pain and the rejection that Moses is going to experience, the the frustration that he's going to feel, the mantle of the weight that's going to be put upon this little child to lead the children of Israel out of bondage and out of captivity, to stand with courage before Pharaoh who could have his throat slit in a heartbeat to tell him to let my people go to have to stand before God, God himself. Moses, you little murderer. 
because that's what he did, didn't he? And she's dreaming dreams, not really knowing, and none of us know for our children or our grandchildren what lies ahead of them. Your mama didn't know either what was lying ahead for you. And yet we declare, we should declare greatness over them. Life is a series of twists and turns, channels and changes. Life doesn't go the way that we are declaring. In fact, if we really thought about it, as we're holding our grandbabies, as we're holding our babies in our arms, it, it could almost bring a sense of fear upon us because of what they're going to experience in their lives. The Bible says in this world, you're gonna have some difficulty. Jesus said that. You're gonna have some struggles. You're gonna have some trouble. That, by the way, is what brings character out of your life. That, by the way, is what brings to the surface who you really are on the depths of your spirit. I, I think about um, little Ab- little Ab- Ab, right? As mama's rocking Abraham back and forth again, not knowing that he's gonna be the father of many nations that his descendants are gonna be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And she's rocking her baby back and forth and believing for greatness this big when God had greatness this big in store for her child. And yet, he had to go through so much difficulty. You will be the father of many nations, but you're not gonna be a daddy till you're like 100 years old. How much torment and pain and frustration and disappointment and questioning of God do you think that Abraham experienced? And his mama, when she was rocking him back and forth, because she obviously was able to have a child, she's rocking him back and forth, she's probably thinking to herself, man, I can't wait to have grandbabies, and mama didn't see any grandbabies from Abraham, and yet Abraham was the father of the nations. I, I, I think, just look at any of these, Paul, little Polly Polly. As mama's rocking little Paul back and forth in this Jewish culture that he's a part of, in the educated portion, I mean, the guy's from a very educated, very wealthy family, as she's caring for him and looking at her little son as she takes the baby probably from the nanny and she rocks him for a few minutes and gives him back to the nanny again. And as she's rocking little Paul back and forth, she's probably declaring great things over him. You're going to be so smart. You're going to be so successful. You're going to have so much, so much influence in life not knowing that what she's speaking over him is exactly true, but it's not on behalf of the Jewish culture, it's on behalf of Jesus Christ, that God would knock his little butt off the dog and slam him to the ground on a road to Damascus, that God would blind him and meet him in a powerful way, that Paul would be shipwrecked, that he would be beaten, that he would be flogged, that he would be that we'd kicked out of town, that he would be stoned at least twice, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about people throwing stones at him. Paul would be absolutely abused, battered in his life, and little mama's rocking him back and forth, declaring greatness, having no idea what lies around the corner for Paul. It's important that when we come together at specific times as the church, that we allow ourselves to be stretched. We need to take an inv- I was a, I was a stock boy at Kmart, one of my first jobs that I had as a, as a teenager, I worked there for like six months because at that, after that, my Taekwondo instructor asked me to manage his, his, the five Southeast Iowa schools that I was a part of, and so I, I began uh, doing that. But, but for those, God had me at Kmart for a reason for six months, and the reason he had me at Kmart was to meet a pretty girl by the name of Keeley that we would become high school sweethearts, and then we would be married, and we've been married for 33 plus years. And I, I thank the Lord for Kmart. 
One time I remember working at Kmart and, and uh, they did inventory. Anybody been a part of retail before where you had to be a part of doing inventory? Raise your hand. Inventory, okay, so inventory, that's where you have to kind of count the number of everything in the store and you have to keep a record of it. Back before there were scanners and, and it became a little bit easier, in my opinion, right? Um, you used to literally have to count everything and put it on little, little boxes and a little tally sheet and you have to submit that and that's how they knew if things were being stolen or if things were, what, if things were being, whatever, being returned or misplaced in the store, but you had to take inventory. At this time of year, a lot of stores are doing what's called inventory. In fact, financial institutions at this, at this time of year are also taking an inventory. They are, they are, it's a time of accounting, it's a time of auditing to make sure that everything is accounted for correctly. Some of you have your own businesses and, and some of you work maybe at higher level and you're a part of this kind of thing and you make sure that everything has been accounted for. Today, as we're standing on the cusp of a new year, as we're standing at the threshold of 2024, we're going to try to take an inventory of our spiritual lives. So this is a participatory kind of message that we're going to spend together. And today is exam day. I'm literally going to give you an exam. And you're going to grade yourself according to the chief grader, the power of the Holy Spirit. This new year is a trust from God. It is a trust from God. The most valuable commodity known to any human being is the commodity of time. There is nothing more valuable than time. Never been with somebody at the end stage of life that has ever said they wish they had more stuff. They always want more time. And I understand that. Listen, 2024 contains 366 days. God gave you a bonus this year. How do I know it's a leap year? Because four years ago, my daughter, Pastor Tasha, Pastor Michael, got married on the 29th of February. So they are literally celebrating their one year anniversary this year, four years later. <laughs> Pretty exciting. 366 days, that's 8,784 8, uh, hours. That is 527,040 minutes. That is 31,622,400 seconds. I did all the math for you. Time is important. Every moment is important that God gives you in this life. Scripture tells us in, and you, you can look on the screen if you want to, it's totally gonna be blank because we're gonna be reading from the Bible today. Ephesians chapter five, and if you don't wanna look it up, you can, you can uh, write it down and then you can look it up later, but I'll be giving you three scriptures. Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, and Galatians is where we're gonna be today. Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, and Galatians, all like right next to each other. Ephesians chapter five says in one verse, verse actually we'll start in verse number 15 and verse number 16. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Get this, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Depending on which version um, of the scriptures that you're reading, you might be seeing in your Bible the words redeem the time or spend your time well. That's the challenge that Paul is giving to us in the New Testament as God is speaking to us through him. So for this final message in the year 2023, I wanna give you this, this examination. Exams, by the way, are good. I used to be a school teacher, tests are good. Tests are not bad. You don't skip class on test day. Tests are the day that prove the knowledge that you've absorbed throughout the semester. Exams are good and necessary. Even in the Bible, it says that. Show me, Troy. Okay. 
1 Corinthians chapter 11, when it says in verse number 28, everyone ought to examine themselves. Everyone ought to examine themselves. And it's speaking of before we take communion. We're not taking communion today. We're going to start the year with communion. But um, at, before you take communion, you ought to examine yourself. But the punchline, the, the, the focus, the, the premise of this verse is you ought to examine yourself. You ought to take a test. You ought to take a spiritual inventory of your life. How are you doing? How am I doing? It is so important that we look in the mirror with an honest lens, that we're not beating up on ourselves. That's not the point. But we're trying to see, am I becoming more like Jesus? The examined life is a biblical imperative. And if we're to drill down even deeper, if we don't examine our lives and make the much needed adjustments that we should be making, God will. Now, that's not some sort of divine threat. God is a loving father. He truly is. He examines us. If we don't correct our lives when we see something wrong in our lives, like a good father to their children who corrects the child, sometimes jerks the child a little forcefully because they're headed straight into danger path, into the road or in front of a... uh, a, 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 too close to an unfriendly animal or a dog, we're gonna jerk the children away. Likely the child is gonna cry. Likely the child is gonna go, why did you do that to me? And look with questioning eyes. And all along the parent knows, you and I know, that we're there to adjust the child so they're staying away from danger and they're in a protected zone. God wants you to live a life that is, that is uh, productive. In order to do that, he wants you to be protected. He wants you to examine your own life, and he does that from a heart of grace and a heart of love. So how do we measure ourselves against against the standard? What's the standard, Troy? I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I go to church most of the time. I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've got a Bible, and I'm I'll read it a little bit, you know. I, I'm no, I've got a, I've got a streak on you version. I've like got 314 days in a row that I've read. I must be pretty holy. I, 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 I mean, I go to work. I provide for my family. I'm a, I'm a good guy. Well, the standard that you're using, I, I applaud you. Good. Seriously, I'm no, no sarcasm. Congratulations. That's, that's really good. I'm, I really am proud of you. But that standard is still a standard that's gonna send you straight to, to a devil's hell when you die. Because the standard that God compares us to for righteousness is the standard of his son, Jesus Christ. That is the standard. There is no, ah, wink and a nudge. You did pretty good. I mean, considering what you were raised in, I mean, you came out pretty good. So God's gonna be like, well, welcome. No, that is not how it works. God made it very clear in scripture that we are compared, our life is compared to the life of Jesus Christ, who was perfect and blameless in every single way. Now, here's the deal. My righteousness, the way that I live, my right living righteousness, yeah, that, that's like filthy rags. That's like nasty stuff, right? But, but I'm been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. In other words, when I say yes to Jesus in my life, I, God now sees me through the lens of his son. Praise the Lord for that but he doesn't want me to stay the same way I entered into the family. When my sons-in-law came into the family, I didn't want them to stay the same way they were, right? I want them to become even better. 
even better as a man, as a husband, as a father. I want to become even better, right? So the part of the family and even better, way better than I did. Uh, way better. I want so much more for them as, as men and priests of their home. I really, really do. God, God that's a, that pales in comparison to what God wants. He wants you to become better. And he wants you to measure your life, examine your life in such a way so you'll know, am I doing better? Rather than just, oh, I'm doing pretty good. What are you comparing that to? What, what is the standard? So we're gonna take a test this morning and the test is found in Galatians chapter five. So if you'll turn there, I really want you to turn there in your Bibles and I'll give you just a second to get there. Galatians chapter five. We're gonna be hanging out for just a moment and we're gonna base this exam and I literally have the exams we're gonna pass out in just a few moments to you um, that you're gonna be able to take. This is not one of those exams that you're gonna do a one to 10 and total up the numbers and you're gonna come up with a number and you'll be like, oh, looks like I'm doing pretty good. God must love me. This is a, this this is a subjective examination. You take the exam and you self-grade it and you decide for yourself where you think that you actually are in your, in your walk with God. How do we measure yourself against the person of Jesus? With a simple list. Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. This verse talks about the fruit of the spirit. Now, it is really, can I teach for just a couple minutes before we do an examination, yes? Thank you, yeah, yeah, I will. Um, it was like a rhetorical question. I don't really care what your answer is, I'm gonna do it anyway. Um, I can't state this truth often enough in the church. So listen very closely. The Holy Spirit was given to manifest the life of Jesus Christ through us. In other words, your family and your coworkers and your friends and your neighbors, your sphere of influence that you have that I don't have, you are how they see Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was given to you so that you can manifest Jesus into the world. Now, God's works are manifested through the power of the Holy Spirit, but his character is manifested through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts differ between people. There's the power gifts that the Bible talks. We're not gonna talk about that today, but we're gonna get into that in 2024. Power gifts such as words of prophecy and, and um, uh, speaking in tongues and the interpretation of those tongues. and These are the power gifts that edify the body, build up the church, build up the body. And we need those people, the gifts of healing. We need those to operating in the church. These are the, these are the spiritual power gifts. But the fruit of the spirit, see, these are, God gives these to certain people. You ask and you receive gifts, but not everybody gets all of these gifts. God is the gift giver. He can do what he wants. But the fruit of the Spirit, yeah, that's for every Christ follower. The nine things that I just read to you should be evident in your life. And here's the deal. Think of it as a tree. The tree, um, if it's an apple tree or a lemon tree or an orange tree, it doesn't really matter. The tree bears its fruit. And we know what the tree is as you drive by orchard, as you're going down the freeway or, the, or the, the back road highway, you know what the orchard is by the fruit that's on the tree. And so you look at the fruit and you're like, okay, that is a lemon tree. 
That, that lemon, it takes time to develop upon the tree. So when you become a Christian, you don't automatically have the nine character traits that God wants you to have. He wants you to develop those character traits. Here's the good news. That's our job. As, as, the, as leaders in the church, our job is to help you develop those character traits so that you can become more like Jesus in your life, not to become God. He has already got that job, right? Our job is to become like Christ so that people can see Christ through us at, uh, through a clear lens in the world in which we live. And so you must all have, the, if, you're, if you're beginning, if there's some dimension of the fruit in your life that is missing from your life, that should be a red flag. If any one of these nine fruits are missing from your life, it should be a red flag, a warning that you've done something wrong. You have. Not your mama, not your circumstance, not your boss. You have, and you gotta own that. And what we need to do is we need to make sure that we, what we've done is we've taken back some control in that area of our life. And we need to give that control back over to God again. So let's, uh, let's do this test. I'm gonna ask for a couple of helpers to help me pass this paper out to everybody in the house. If you're watching online, I'll be saying it. Um, and I want everybody to get one, please. I'll be saying it, but you, it will not be up on the screen for you. But we'll be sure to post this uh, later in the week uh, for our online folks that are with us today. So we're going through, again, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And we're gonna take this test together and we're gonna see what God speaks to us as we do the examination. I said once again, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the nine fruits that you should be uh, de developing and demonstrating in your life because you're a Christian. Here's a good question for you. Just off the top of your head, this is not on the paper, I wonder if you were to look at December 31st, 2022, and you compare it to December 21st, 2023 today, have you improved? Have you gotten better in demonstrating the nine fruits of the Spirit? This is the litmus test of being a Christian, right here. Are you demonstrating the fruit? So what I wanna do is take just a moment and make sure we understand what this fruit is as we say goodbye to 2023 and hello to a new year. Let's talk about love first. How do I identify love? It's not like have I fallen in love. A good question to ask, ask yourself if you're in the spiritual life inventory examination is do I love others unconditionally? Do I withhold my love or forgiveness? Do I love others unconditionally, regardless of the color of their skin, the amount of money they have in their bank account, the neighborhood that they live in, if they live in a home even at all? Do I look down on another human being because of their faith in the wrong God? How do I feel about humanity that is around me? Now, I'm not saying that you have to like everybody. I do not like everybody. In fact, I don't like a lot of people, right? Just, can I just be honest with you? Um, because I'm not interested in entering into a relationship, a friendship with a lot of people. Um, I, I very much like you, um, and I like a, several people, but I'm just, can I just be really real with you? I don't like everybody, right? But I love everybody. 
right? Use the word respect. I respect, I want, to, I want to respect everybody, regardless of what they believe, what they perceive, what they've done, how they've acted, and that's a hard task. When you think about all the evil and the yuck and the, the horrible things that are in the world, that's why I don't like everybody. But God loves everybody. And so he wants me to also love everybody. I do not condone people's behavior. I do think people deserve punishment, consequences for what it is that they do in, in the evil fashion in this world. And I'm gonna be the first to tell you that I believe they deserve harsher punishments than we're already giving in our nation. I really believe that. But that doesn't mean that I don't care about their soul, the spirit of that human being, made and created in the image of God. Do you withhold your forgiveness from people? If you are withholding your forgiveness because somehow you think that's gonna hurt them, that's actually causing you great grief and it is causing distance between you and God and the fruit of love is not developing like it should be on your tree. It's getting stuck as a bud and it's gonna wither on the branch. Love. Number two, joy. Am I able to rejoice in every circumstance? Can I give God thanks in all things? Some of you that I, I dearly love, and I'm looking at some of my friends in here, many whom, whom are senior saints, have had to say goodbye to your wonderful spouses over the last few months, couple of years, or decade. How is it that we can grieve? How do we reconcile grief and pain and loss with with joy. You see, God didn't say you to be happy. He didn't say you're to be happy and that's gonna show over the world that you have a relationship with, with me. Because happy is by its definition based upon the happenings in your life. And when something sucky happens in your life, you should feel, you should feel the, the effects of that. You said goodbye. That's hard to do. There should be tears and, and, and there should be grief and there should be mourning. But there can also be simultaneously joy. That is why God calls it unspeakable. It's full of glory. It's God-given. Impossible, impossible to explain. There is no definition that gives it credence. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Are you able to rejoice in every circumstance, not because of every circumstance, but in every circumstance? Can you... Can you give God thanks in all things? Man, this has been tough. Man, this has been hard. But God, I know you've been with me. I know you've been with me. And I know it feels like things are getting ready to just crumble and break and I'm standing at the edge of the cliff. But thank God you're with me because Jesus, you were also standing at the edge of the cliff being pushed over by a man called Satan once upon a time. And you endured and because you showed me that you endured, I can endure as well. Joy, peace. Can I make it through a difficult circumstance without worry or without depression? I think sometimes we think that this, this really brings honor to the situation. I must really care about my kids if all I can do is just fret and worry. Oh God, this is because I love them. And we judge others because they're not worrying, they must not love. Doesn't the devil have us in a perfect place then? You see, one of the fruits of the Spirit is that we don't worry 
We don't need to worry because we have a lot of faith. It doesn't mean that we're not concerned. It doesn't mean we don't have feelings. But when those feelings come in like a flood, remind yourself that the Lord has lifted up a standard against that. He has given you peace that passes all understanding. Nobody is going to understand why you have peace in the midst of such a storm in your life. And depression, we speak of that. I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm talking about a downcastness in your heart and in your life that um, you're just more prone to be like, well, kind of like Eeyore, right? Well, I guess that's just the way it is. Things are sucking. They're always going to be sucky, and I don't know. It's going to change. Peace. That is a fruit. Patience, or another word that they use is, uh, in Scripture is long-suffering. How often do I react impulsively instead of responding thoughtfully? Uh, this one will smack you right between the eyes. So this is personal to everybody who's ever been in a relationship or married, certainly. Um, so when, when, you're, when your spouse brings something to you and, uh, and your first reaction is to, all right, let's go, right? Because um, uh, um, that's, that's not being patient or long-suffering, is it? Um, are you trying to respond, seeing things through the other person's lens, or are you reacting, seeing things only through your, from your perspective? And this is, the, I'm, I stand up here as one that is preaching to thyself. How's that sound? Yes? Kindness. Are my thoughts and words toward others full of compassion? Here's a good measuring rod. Kindness doesn't just mean being nice, because a lot of people can be nice, but when you're nice to somebody, that can also be fake. It's not genuine. Right? Y'all know that, right? I mean, it, it, what does it say to our children when, I told you to be quiet. Don't you do when you move? Hello? Hey, how are you? And we just change instantly. And I'm not saying that there isn't etiquette, right? You don't want to get on the phone. Why do you want? You don't, you don't want to do that either. But how is, it, how is it that we're able to demonstrate this fruit in a, consistent, in a consistent way? Kindness. It's all about compassion. Jesus never healed anybody, not one time, whereby it doesn't say that he didn't have compassion on them first. See, healing is ushered into someone's life through compassion. Compassion doesn't just benefit the other person. Compassion benefits you tremendously. What is compassion? It's kind of being able to see life through their eyes, feel their experience. It's having, having a heart for them, not for you, hopefully through them, so that you will somehow benefit through them. Does that, does that make sense? See, when we're, when we're talking about being kind, it really is the most selfless state of life. Goodness. Am I willing to share what I have with others in need? Am I generous? So when the just an example that we all have in common because we're in church today. When tithes and offerings are, are, are received here in the church, are you generous? Are you some stingy miser? I'm not quite sure what you are, but are, wh- which one are you? Because by the way, it's not yours anyway. I don't know. I just want to tell you this. It's not yours. It's not yours. That job you have, it's not your job. The Lord give it, the Lord take it away, but blessed be the name of the Lord, right? The stuff you have is not your stuff. Congratulations. You think it's yours? It could be gone tomorrow, right? Um, oh, but by the way, that breath you just breathed, yeah, that doesn't belong to you either. And one day, God's going to take it away. It's all God's. So all he asks of us is to be generous with what it is that we have. And one thing that we all probably have experienced at one time or another, hopefully consistently, is you cannot outgive 
God. Not just money, but time, talent, treasure, everything you have in your life. Are you a generous individual? That is what goodness, how you measure if you're good in your life. If you're good, by the way, is another word for, is is another uh, way that we define, or it's a synonym for God, okay? So good is the highest level of compliment you can give somebody. Great is not, good is. All right, so that's a whole other word study, but, but good, God, kind of uh, synonymous. So God is, one of his biggest character traits is he is generous. For God so loved the world that he generously gave his one and only son, right? Sir, so goodness, faith, are y'all with me? Say yes, good. Faithfulness, do I keep my word even when it's costly? <sighs> Am I loyal to God? Am I loyal to others? Do you keep your word? The Bible says it this way, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you said you're gonna do something, you need to follow through with what it is you're gonna do. And if you can't, you need to address the elephant. We need to address the elephant. Hey, I said I was gonna get this done. Da, 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 is it transpired? I really feel bad, but I'm not able to fulfill my promise. I hope that you'll forgive me. How can I make this right? That's addressing the elephant. But, but if you're a person that's lacking integrity in this area, what you'll do is you'll yuck it off. You'll laugh it off or you'll try to sweep it under the rug and ignore it like it's not there. It's really there. So anybody feel a little bit sting from some of this stuff, right? It's, it's just really, really there. And so God is saying to us today, measure yourself in the area of faithfulness. Are you keeping your word and are you loyal? Gentleness, gentleness. This is another one of the fruits. Am I, uh, am I ever harsh Or am I unyielding or insistent on my own interests instead of the interests of other people? Gentleness. We really care about how other people feel. It's putting others before yourself. It's the same thing we teach our children, but we also need to do that. It's, well, merge. Come on in and merge, man, right? How many of you find that to be a difficult thing to do? I got up there first, and you know what? For some reason, I believe that I own this freeway. You do not own this. This is my freeway. Might as well have my name on the sign because I'm, I'm owning this sucker, right? You're not getting on. Come on on, everybody, everybody, everybody. Mer- I don't know if you're going to be that generous, right? But, but what we want to do is we want to make sure we have a generous heart. What you give in this life will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Scripture promises us that. The Bible also says in Galatians chapter six, it reminds us that um, uh, we will be judged based upon how we judge, right? Uh, so it's imperative that we pay, pay close attention to that. The last one is self-control. Am I able to live out my priorities or am I subject to the desires of my flesh? <laughs> subject to the desires of my flesh. In other words, when I feel I want something, do I take it? Do I go after it? Or am I able to live out my priorities? My priority is my wife. And intimacy belongs only with my wife. It does not belong with my phone. It does not belong on the computer. It does not belong with another human being. It belongs only with my wife. That would be a priority that every man should have. And the question is, are you living out your priorities or are you succumbing to the desires of your flesh? It's not hurting anybody. Yes, yes it is. It's hurting somebody desperately. So this would be a good spiritual life inventory examination. And the the point of this is not to beat you up. 
(laughs) The point of this is to reflect and to look at this as we end the year. We waste a whole lot of time, in my humble opinion, um, planning New Year's resolutions that we'll probably never keep. Why won't we keep them? Because we haven't done an inventory of our capability of being able to keep those, keep those promises. And so if we're taking an inventory and say, okay, this seems to be the area of my life that God, I wanna focus on this year, spiritually speaking, then I bet you'll find and discover that many of your other resolutions, your physical goals and your financial goals and whatever else you have in your life, um, your vocational goals, that those might begin to be achieved but you have to correct what's going on in you before you see something outside of you. So I'm gonna give you three very quick challenges that you can write this down. The first one is I'd like you to memorize Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So it's not written on the paper. You can write it down somewhere. We even put a complimentary pin in the, in the chair directly in front of you. You can use that if you want to. Write it down, Galatians, G-A-L-A-T-I-A-N-S, Galatians, G-A-L-A-T-I-A-N-S, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I'm asking you to memorize this, not like sometime in 2024. That'd be my my spiritual goal for the year. I'm asking you to memorize it right away. Spend some time memorizing it. How do you memorize it? I mean, when I was a kid, it was easy. When I became an adult, it's a lot harder to memorize things. Here's how I do it. Write it down. When you write it down, it gets in your memory bank. And if you write it down, put it on a note card or something, put it by your, uh, on your bathroom mirror. It really is a good idea. And when you're brushing your teeth, just kind of think about it. Just say it to yourself. Figure out, put in some sort of a song, right? Or, or a rhythm to it, whatever you need. Look at the first letter and come up with an acronym for nine, nine letters that might help you. I don't care what you do, but memorize it. Uh, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no I want you to memorize that. That's number one. Number one. Number one. Number two. Real simple. Number two. It's a kissing cousin to number one. Number two, I would like you to take those nine character traits and I'd like you to display them somewhere that you'll see them. You don't have to write out the whole verse, just love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Write those down somewhere. I'm gonna encourage you, if you're a commuter, maybe to put it on a card and put it on your steering wheel for a month, just for a month. Just, just, just for a month. I mean, you know, you, you'll be fine. Put it on, wherever you're gonna spend some time. Uh, some of you might need to tape it on the wall <laughs> um, on the other side of the commode in your bathroom, whatever it is, but put, tape it so you can see those things and see those nine character traits. So every time you see them, what's gonna happen is this. This is gonna happen. The, the temptation is gonna be, ah, yeah, yeah. But what really is happening is the enemy is trying to trip you up and keep you from reflecting Because when you reflect, you're going to have an opportunity to improve in your life. And if you want 2024 to be better than 2023, then you need to take a spiritual inventory and do something about it. This is not on me. I am not responsible for your spiritual condition. Uh, Each one is personally responsible for their own spirit. Your mama's not responsible. Your daddy's not responsible. Nor are they responsible for your lack thereof. You're responsible for this. Pull up your big boy panties and and do the job. Do the work. And the work in this case is memorizing the scripture and reflecting. That's it. And then number three, when you get off track, and you will, instantly make whatever correction is necessary. How do I do that, Troy? How do I get back on track? Confess it. Call a spade a spade. You repent. God, I am so terribly sorry. I got off track. There's no excuse. And then fill me with your spirit, God. These are the fruits of the spirit. Fill me with your spirit, God. And then you know what you do next? You move on. You move on. Now there's two sides to that move on coin. Somebody in here is like, 
That's exactly right. Move on. You're wanting to elbow the person next to you. You got to move on. Well, that's because you don't want to reflect. You want them to move on so that you don't have to feel any effect of your behavior. All right. Number one. But really, for most people, what happens is we start feeling less of ourselves. That's what the enemy wants you to feel. I failed again. I'm never going to get this thing right. I'm struggling my whole life. Why, why can't I do this? Paul struggled with this. Why do I do the things I don't want to do and other things I want to do? But God corrected him in that. God corrected him in that. Listen, quit dwelling upon that. Just move on, right? Trust that the Lord is with you, that you're still, you're still full of the spirit of God. So those are the three things. Memorize it, the nine, the nine character traits, write those down and, and display those somewhere and then and, and think about those when you read those. And then when you get off track, you need to repent, confess it, repent, um, ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and, and move on. I wanted to sh- share something with you in closing as we kind of went through this, this exam kind of quickly today. But this is an example of somebody in their life who... I would say, pass the spiritual life inventory examination. The bottom of the page is the text of a note from a pastor, a pastor who was a missionary some 100 years ago. In those days, in the early days of the missionary movement in, uh, in the modern world, postmodern world is what it's called, but in kind of our era in the late 1700s, uh, early 1800s, in the 1900s, and so forth, um, missionaries, when they were going to go to another nation, they would buy a one-way ticket on a boat. They wouldn't buy a two-way ticket. They would buy a one-way ticket. There was no airplanes back then. And they would have no such thing as luggage. They wouldn't have trunks to carry their stuff in. They would have a large, a large box that would be a little bit taller than they are, known as a casket or a coffin. That casket or coffin would be open and they would pack all their supplies into that. They would seal that casket or that coffin up and they would ship along with them to wherever they're going because the intention was they're taking their supplies with them, they're taking themselves with them, and they're taking their casket with them because they're gonna die where God has called them to go and to share the good news. That's a commitment. This missionary was called by God to go to a nation called Zimbabwe. And just so happened in that particular time and in that region of Zimbabwe that he was called to, it was full of tribes that were known as headhunters. And they would execute people that weren't from their culture, weren't from their tribe. But he was called by God. God spoke to him and said, you need to go and I want you to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with these people. They need to know. They need to know. So he packed his gear and he went off to Zimbabwe and he tried his hardest to share the good news. He wasn't there very long, and there was a part of him that probably felt a little discouraged. And so he sat down and he wrote the following that is on the bottom of your paper. You might have come across this before, but it's worth reading again. It's a powerful reminder that our citizenship is in heaven and that we're called to give our all for our king. And here's what he said. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudity, or popularity. I don't have to be right, 
First, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, and uplifted by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. This note was found in the desk of this missionary, in the top drawer, in the corner of the room, and the opposite corner of the room lie his head that had been decapitated from his body. This story didn't end the way we want Cinderella stories to end. Or, or, Or did it? This life is not the measuring rod of it all. This life is not the existence that we have. Before you were in your mother's womb, God knew you. And he has a plan for you that that just begins after this life ends. And that's the eternal life. In order to experience that eternal life, we must have fortified a relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot earn it. You cannot purchase it. You cannot do enough good things to be in right standing with God. Because remember, your righteousness is compared to the righteousness of his one and only son, and you'll never achieve that. The only way, the only way to heaven, the only way to God is through Jesus. John 14, 6. I'm challenging you today at the end of the year to remember and to recall and to retain in your life that your story is gonna have twists and turns. Your story is probably not gonna be what mama is declaring over you in the fashion that she's declaring it. Your story is gonna experience all kinds of hiccups, turbulence, challenges, turmoil, frustration, but it's also gonna experience all kinds of blessings and miracles that no one can comprehend. God has a plan for you, just like he had a plan for each one of these heroes of the faith. And I'm here to tell you that some 2,000 years later, we're still talking about these people because they stayed firm to the faith. They remained steadfast in their commitment to God. No matter what came their way, no matter how many lions were in the pit, they stood firm and they said, listen, my God is able. He is with me. I trust him no matter what. I believe that he's got me in the center of the palm of his hand. I know that nothing, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper, that my God will see me through the deepest, darkest valley, that he will see me through the most turbulent of storm. He can speak, peace be still, or he can hold me tight, but either way, I'm going to make it through. These characters that we... That we look at today that we appreciate 
that we honor, you have the same privilege to leave a legacy for generations to come if you will grip the plow, stay grafted to the vine, catch the wind of the Spirit, and bear fruit in your life. Father God, thank you for your word. It's not gonna return void. Thank you, Lord, that your desire for us is that we would be better, stronger, faithful, that we would be found, we would be found to be a proper demonstration of the love of your son. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, I wonder if there's someone here today that would say to me, you know what, Troy, I don't have a relationship with God, not the way you're talking about. I want that. I want that. I need that. I need to say goodbye to my old life just as much as we're saying goodbye to this year in just a few hours. And I want to say I welcome in a new life. I welcome in a life with God. And I ask him to take control of my life. I know it's not working out so good for me to be in control. And so I invite God, God to lead me, God to help me, Jesus to come into my heart and to change my life. If that's your desire, you don't have to do that by way of, by way of signing a, a membership card for a church, although that's a good idea. You, you, don't, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, be, you don't even have to do anything. You simply need to receive the forgiveness that God offers through his son, Jesus Christ. And the way you do that is by praying, by talking to God. And I would be honored to lead you in a short prayer. But you have to raise your hand. You have to say to God, okay, I am making a decision. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I will not back up, shut up, put up. I will, I will be a disciple of Jesus Christ. No matter what lies in my future. And if that's the desire of your heart and you're ready to do that, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand and I want it to go up high. You're not going to be ashamed today. You're going to get a new life with Jesus. Maybe you've done this before, but you've turned your back. You've walked away. You've let it slip. And you're saying to the Lord today, you're saying, God, I want to be all in. No more. No more about me. I'm living, I'm living for an audience of one, and that is for you, God. If that's your desire, here we go. One, two, three. Put it up right away. Don't wait. Don't wait. Put it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Leave it up. Nobody look around. Just leave it up. Just leave it up. I just want you to leave it up. We're trusting God. We're trusting God today. We're trusting God today. Hallelujah. God, we are trusting you. Just keep your eyes closed. Stay focused on God. We are trusting you today, God. I am trusting you today, God. I am giving you my all today, God. Just say that to him. I'm giving you my all today, right now, God. It all belongs to you. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Please come into my heart. Change me once and for all. I don't want to be the same. I need to be new. I invite your power and your presence into every Every area of my mind, my heart, and my life. I ask for your forgiveness, and I know that you are God in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, when you say amen, I want you to believe it. Are you ready? Amen and amen. Put your hand down. Come on now, let's give the Lord a hand clap today. Guys, over a dozen people today. Come on now, give the Lord a hand clap today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.